the DBN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, oh man, that 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 this one hurts. This one hurts. This one is uh, this one don't feel good. Uh um. Hey, hey there, y'all. Easy here. Easy does it on the DBN Network. Uh, following yet another soul-crushing loss, uh, this time to the Green Bay Packers in the closest... Well, it's the second time we've gone to overtime this year, but the beat goes on. We lose. <clears throat> Fall to 0-13 on the year. And, uh, you know... Um, yeah, the the parade uh, looks like it will um, continue to be on schedule as far as uh, the march to uh, to O and sixteen, which I would have thought unfathomable. I, th- I didn't think we were going to have a good year, but um, the fact that we're sitting here now in the game, I think this this and this this one particularly is so painful because it was the game that was probably our best shot to win. And it left on the schedule, going you know, up the Packers without uh, Rodgers. And we had a 14-point you know, lead and just just gave this one away. This is uh, Dennis Green, and, you know, they are who we thought they were. And, and you know, they just, you know, they, 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 they uh, nickel and dimed us to death the whole game. And uh, that was, you know, enough to get it done. And you know, and, and, and I mean, we had we had the we had the, the dime on these guys. We dropped we we had the drop on them. But um, well, you know, let, let's let's hit the. I mean, there was there plenty of people. You know, they say that uh, success has many fathers, and failure is an orphan. Um, it's not true, especially in a game like today. There was lots of people that contributed to uh to this one the the first one the first first and foremost is maybe i ought to say first and foremost is hugh jackson good job on uh, winning the power struggle there hugh i know i know that you didn't that it wasn't a power struggle i heard that uh you said that you didn't win, but you know good good job and yeah i'm still a little salty about uh, them them firing sashi brown and though although um they've since hired uh john dorsey of the kansas city chefs i which it didn't when i was uh, uh doing the uh the postmortem of the Sashi uh, regime on Thursday. I um, the the news wasn't out yet about Dorsey, so um, I, I wasn't able to comment. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But at, at, at any rate, um, Hugh Jackson's team played um, their you know, one of their best games of the day today, and it, it's what's a really a very very frustrating performance today by Deshaun Kaiser. Really um, may have had his. Uh, you know, it's it's maybe you know me, you know you know me, everybody. I try to uh, come at things from something of a of a not overly positive or overly simplistic, you know. But just you know, I try I tried to see that not every situation is nothing but is nothing but bad. <laughs> you look at a game today like we that we lose, and the way the way that it happened, it was soul crushing when it happened. What what could you possibly get? Okay, look here's here's the positive. If there was ever really any kind of uh, you know, if there was any, and I, and I don't, I wouldn't normally do this for a rookie, but Kaiser, what Kaiser did at the end of the, of overtime, at the end of the game today, that that is akin to um, the Whedon under lob against Detroit. 
That's that's what that was. And I mean, to, to just throw it up right there uh, and give the game away. Now, I mean, he he did enough before that to win the game. You know, he th- threaded the needle to. Although it, it's kind of two and two because Seth Devalve made you know, probably the catch of the year to keep the clock running. You know, there late in the game. This is why I'm, I'm I got to put some on Hugh here because of the way ultimately that the game went down. Um, we we should have been you know a lot more frugal with the uh, the timing of of things. In other words, we shouldn't have, we in, when in that situation late in the game when we I think it was like two forty four left. Uh, we shouldn't have thrown on third and four. We should have ran it there, uh, but we didn't. And, and because of that, now uh, you know again, the the pass was uh, completed to, uh, or or I should say, the pass was on target to Ninjoku, who should have caught the ball, but did not. And so, um, you know, there we were, giving the ball back to Green Bay, and then of course giving up the the you know, the, the ridiculously long punt return which you almost never see anymore because it's something that always happens with a penalty but it doesn't happen here and we end up and, and a big uh you know p- portion of that uh sorry if I'm clipping here I'm trying to uh talk to you as I'm I, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk to you as I'm talking yeah that's that's that, that was almost what my mind said there uh, our our old buddy uh, Ricardo Lewis who has just you know just had a stellar year you know all, you know, he he should be leading the the Owen 16 parade uh, with his contributions to the team this year, he he's ultimately the guy that missed the tackle on uh, you know on on the punt return and you know say okay he's he's a, he's a wide receiver what's he out there trying to make tackles it's a it's you know you, that's what you, that's what you do in the punting game you have guys that that you know that that make up for their shortcomings in other parts of their game hello he's got plenty of those um, but uh, alas. He's unable to make the stop there and the big return, which put Green Bay in the in the catbird seat. And you know the the announcers today, uh, which actually by and large Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman, they actually were better than what we normally get from the CBS. I, I guess listening to the to the broadcast today was a good reminder of just how lousy the the CBS crew is, because these guys compare by comparison were were much much better. Um, which is not to say they were good. I'm just saying the comparison they were much better. But Spielman. Um, and Brendan were both making a big deal about the the amount of time that the Green Bay was uh, taking off at the end of the game. I'm like the, these guys. Hugh should have been watching. Uh, you know, Mantle was complaining about Mike McCarthy specifically about his. He doesn't think he's a good coach. The way that the Packers did that at the end there. That's how you do it. That's textbook how you do it there. And then um, you know the the, the whole you know, play calling in overtime and so and certainly, but. Uh, but the whole, um, you know, running it down, and they're they're saying, hey, letting all this time run off the clock here, letting all this time run off. Yeah, you're letting all the time run off the clock, so that way, when we eventually get the ball back and the game is tied, there's 17 seconds left, and you know, there's nothing we can do. Of course, we don't even bother trying. And uh, but I mean, look, that's that's there's no one thing. Notice I've, I've brought up a, a bunch of different you know items that, that lead to we lose this game. Uh, you know, Garrett missing the tackle on the uh, on the final. Uh, well, he didn't really miss the tackle as much. He got juked out of it. But Nassib missing the sack on uh, on the 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 drive that ultimately tied the game. You know, that was or Kindred missing two sacks. One of them turned out to be crucial. Or and look, I, I'm not and and hopefully I've I'm you know I'm I'm far enough into this that 
Um, it, it doesn't. It can't be thought that this was. You know, that I didn't lead with this certainly. But you know, I, I, I'm not one to complain about the officiating. But come, come on now. I mean, some of this was pretty ridiculous. And, and what I, in particular, what I'm talking about is you have two instances where Josh Gordon was flat out mugged. I mean, it would. It, I don't know how in either instance it's not called pass interference at the end of the first half. The, I think it was Morgan Burnett or the uh, whoever it was doesn't have his, his got his back turned uh, to the ball does not get his arm around hits Gordon pins him down before the ball gets there no flag and then Kaiser ends up throw, you know uh, throwing an arm punt there to end the half which actually was an arm punt which actually I wasn't all that upset with because in that situation it's like all right at least at least here. Uh, it's you're not going to give them a chance to score. We go up, you know, go into the uh, the locker room up by a touchdown. Okay, fine. I was fine with that. I was. I mean, we shouldn't even. I mean, because by that point, I think it was like third and forever anyway. I'm saying I'm not happy that you know that we had a turnover there that we weren't able to get points, but we're also kicking in the wind. I'm just saying in that situation, that's not the worst interception you know of, of all time. The one at the end of the game, though, that one's pretty close. I'm telling you, it's it's Whedon esque. And again, if you're if you're going to look for a silver lining for me, and I'm not done complaining about all the stuff that happened yet, because this was a game, you know, this was a yeah they say a comedy of error, a comedy of errors. It was it was it was ridiculous. I mean, the, uh, as I mentioned already, how about Kai Nakwa? You know, starting everybody's been pining for him all year. Uh, you know, it's not to to uh, you know lay into anybody in particular, Navi, who has been wanting him for you know to get in there. But he, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm almost positive he's the one that gives gives up the gift touchdown early on, which, you know, hey, we lose the game in overtime. How big was that? And, of course, he's got the, the stupid, you know, um, you know uh, what do you call it, unnecessary rough or unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because there was no roughness. He just kind of barked at him a little bit, and, you know, there you go. We get a 15-yard penalty. And now how many, how many times today did we end up giving the Packers a first down on something stupid after we had stopped them? How many times did that happen? Pardon me. That, that had to have happened, I want to say, like four times. And most of the time, I mean, time after time, we were actually able to, like, you know, compose ourselves and, and get back there. But then we get up by two touchdowns. You notice that when we got up by two touchdowns, which was amazing that that happened first and foremost, but we get up by two touchdowns and all of a sudden we start playing prevent offense and defense, but particularly prevent defense where all of a sudden now we're playing, you know, everything off the ball and we're just letting them just, you know, just dink and dunk down the field, just go, go, go. And, you know, and no, kind of un, un, uh, unimpressed by the, well, I mean, is unfortunate because uh, we got some guys hurt, but um, the, the pass rush was lacking a lot today. Just, um, just a very uh, disappointing. I mean, it's disappointing because it was a game that we could have won. You know, could have had that that first win out the way, not have to you know get to. Because now it's looking like I mean, we got the Ravens, we got the Steelers, we got the Bears. So the Bears are really looking like that's the the really the only the, lo- the only last shot here, uh, and that's certainly not a gimme. But it's it's doable. We could do it. But we could also blow it like we did today. And I don't like our chances against either one of our division rivals. And you know, zero and sixteen is is would be rough. That'd be that'd be hard to take. Be very hard to take. 
but again, you know, as I say, the the silver if, am I am I actually mentioning the silver lining? I, mean, I keep saying that there's silver linings here. Am I actually saying what it is? I, I don't know. Maybe I keep getting distracted. And I don't actually get to it. Here's what it is: Kaiser with with the play today in overtime. All you got to do there, okay? Even if you take a sack, I mean, even if you take a sack, that's that's bad. You know, even if you take off there and try to run and don't, I mean, you're big and you know strong and fast, and I mean, you might have been able to get around the corner and probably not. You probably don't get there, but whatever. Um, you know, I mean, you could have tried. As long as you don't do what you did there and just throw it up like that, I don't even care if you don't get hit there. You're not. What are you doing trying to throw it late over the middle of the field anyway across your body? That's rookie. That's freshman. That's the type of stuff that gets you benched. That's the type of stuff. That causes, you know, and, and up until then, you were having your best game ever. And the, I mentioned the one pass interference that wasn't called. The other one is the first drive of the second half. Kaiser uh, drops it in there perfectly to Gordon, and Homeboy just, just grabs his arm and just locks his arm. And the, the, uh, the announcer, Spielman, was like, oh, man, look at a great play. And I, I think what he was doing. I think he was a little tongue-in-cheek there that, yeah, look at that. Look at him getting away with that blatant and obvious and wildly transparent pass interference. And, you know, I have to... Uh, I, I can't say that I necessarily disagree with that from a defensive player's standpoint, but it was it was egregious. And look, it, I, I'm not one to complain about penalties, but it does kind of suck when those ones don't get called and then we get hit with these, you know, with these... Bo- I mean, the one on McCordy I mentioned earlier, that was... I mean, that was... The dude runs into him. What do you want him to do? He didn't hit him. He, he didn't uh, rope him. The guy runs into him. I mean, he's not... He's he's, he's supposed... I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I haven't... I didn't... I, I usually don't get too animated because what the hell? I've seen everything there, you know, with this, with this team that there is to see. I, there's not really a whole lot that's going to get my... You know, get me too exercised about uh, about what happens. So, I mean, when I see stuff like that, it's like, can't we... Come on! And then the constant... You know, the countless... Uh, well, I, I say the countless. It was about three or four or five of the instances of the guys... You know, doing something to screw up what was a good defense. You know, defense got these guys off the field. You know, and I get Brent Hundley's not uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he played pretty well today, though. You got to give him his his, uh, his due. He, he hung in there. And, yeah, they, they were mentioned all the times that he comes back, you know, in the clutch. That dude in the clutch twice today. Uh, you got it. You know, tip your hat to the kid. He did. He got it done. And the Pack keep their uh, playoff hopes very much alive. And if they do make any kind of a playoff run, they got to give an assist to uh, to the guy. That, hey, and you know what? Looking at the way he's playing, first of all, maybe that um, I'm sure that that'll open up discussion for trade talks as the offseason approaches. Not necessarily for us, but just saying. Uh, you remember that Matt Flynn got a huge uh, free agent contract just for basically one game, you know, playing um, in, a, in a season-ending finale against uh, the the Lions when a Rod just got a, a, a breather, and and uh, they ended up uh, he ended up getting a big. Con- so I mean, the fact that you got a guy that comes in after sitting on the bench for the last several years, and he just comes into the game and uh, um for you know half a season and performs that well and not only keeps them in a playoff race but you know uh makes plays you know late in games and you know holds up that's 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 gotta gotta hand it to the kid and i I realize that's not you know nobody wants to hear you know 
uh, congratulating you know the people that we. One of the reasons that I thought this was a winnable game for us is because I you know thought that Brent Huntley was Brent Hundley, Hundley was going to be an easy mark, and he turned out. I mean, we were able to get to him early, um, but he turned out to be formidable as the game went on, and he's been he has been that way as the seasons go along. So you got to tip your cap to him. Uh, <laughs> tip your cap to him. It sounded like I said tip your cat to him, which I don't even know. Maybe that's maybe that's some maybe that's some uh, Hungarian slang for the, I don't know, but he did well, and you got it. I mean, we still had a chance to win the game even despite that because our guy did well for the most part, and that's kind of the thing is, you know, Kaiser, you know, for for a lot of this game today, it was like, hey, this guy he really looks good, right? I mean, he was. Several of the, I mean, those that that pass to uh, Josh Gordon it was really more of a impressive catch by Gordon than it was. But still, he read the coverage, he got it in there um, over the linebacker and and down where he could get his hands on it, and it was a great catch. And he made a couple of those plays. And you think, man, this kid, he's he's got it. But then when you make when you make a play like that, look, I'm I I know I'm I'm Mister Three Years, and you know if Corey, uh, you know he's 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 he is. He constantly is preaching. Next year, you're going to have a kid who's 22 years old and he's already played a year in the league, and that guy is going to be a much better prospect than anybody. I, I understand the thinking, but you know, Kaiser has started all but one game, and we are you know we're 0 13. And I mean, today was a game that we had a shot in. I'm not saying that he, that if he doesn't make that that you know, I, I'm I'll, I'll look at. I'll, I'll even say it this way: if we punt there, we still definitely lose this game. Okay, I'll even stipulate that if we have to punt there in that situation, pretty much as soon as uh, the play wasn't open. Right, and it wasn't going to be a first down. The game was over at that point in my mind, right? Because like, if we're not going to get it, we're not going to get it here, and it's going to be over if they get their hands on the ball because the way they've been moving the ball. Because we weren't going to try to go for it on fourth down. Although it wouldn't have been a nice if I, and I thought about this too. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it have been nice if on either of the final uh, two possessions that we had in regulation, if we would have done a a fake punt there, like like they did to us on the opening drive. Uh, you know, I mean, how and how about that? How about them going for a fake punt, going for it on fourth down, having absolutely no respect for us at all? Which why would they? Why should they? Why should anybody? Why should anybody have any respect for us? I understand that, and they certainly, uh, you know, it it, it 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 worked out for them. It paid off for them, obviously. And uh, you know, the result is we are. And I'm, I'm looking. I'm salty about this. Um, about losing this game, I'm not. You know, gonna get to start banging the drum and saying, you know, this sucks, and because of that, Hugh needs to be fired. I'm, not, you know, I'm not. I've already kind of uh, gone over this that I, you know, firing Sashi Brown was the dumbest thing, and even with hiring John Dorsey, it's still the dumbest thing that Jimmy Haslam has done as owner of the Brown. Dumbest thing we could have done as an organization is what we did. But okay, whatever, we did it. Um, and I'm not saying that we're not, you know, we, 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 again, we'll get to the Dorsey thing later on, but because of that, and because I was definitely, I, I was not totally opposed to the concept of the, um, the Browns, if they had to make a, a change that it be Hugh Jackson for many of the reasons that we saw playing out in the game today. I mean, just mental mistakes all over the place and, and bad game and clock management and, also, uh, Greg Williams once again, you know, it, with the game on the line, he, I mean, doesn't didn't help matters much. I mean, it really was a team effort. The special teams giving up the punt return at the absolute worst time, and the defense just unable to uh, to make the stops when they absolutely needed to. And uh, and there we are, even to the point where they couldn't even uh, you know force field goals. In the but hey, you know, 
momentum is a thing and but i mean they they made plays we didn't they they win we lose and so here we are with you know sitting at 0 and 13 now with three games remaining one of which i think there is a legit shot against a rookie quarterback that we could um you know win that game but again you know like i said i would have liked to have seen more out of uh, miles garrett today i i think you know without and I didn't really watch. I think they had kind of a short passing game going on for a lot of it, but also uh, he may have been facing more special teams given that, you know, you don't have Ogba on the other side, or special teams, double teams, because Ogba's not on the other side. Um, again, you have Nassib with a chance to get a big sack there. You had Kindred missing out on two sacks. I mean, they, they had we had opportunities and a lot of missed tackle, which really, I, I, you know, this is one thing that it's kind of interesting now. We're in week 14. And this is really the first time all year that I can think of where I've complained a lot about missed tackles. It seemed like there was a lot of them today, wasn't there? It seemed like the Packers were able to juke and and make a lot of of plays when they should have been hit, whereas most of the year we haven't haven't really been having to deal with that. Um, I I don't know. Maybe maybe that... Maybe maybe that does have something to do with Jabril Peppers. I'm not going to give him too much credit. I mean, because... But I will say, I mean, Nakua didn't look... You know, again, he he gave he had the the bad penalty and, uh, but then you ha- but again it was some of these the the the, the officiating overall was very uh, was very frustrating. I'll just I'll just you know just very succinctly it was just very frustrating. And again, I'm not gonna you know blame that on the loss. There's there's you know you, the reason that a a loss happens is not because of one play and it's not usually because of one reason. Uh, it, and in this game, this game was no different. There were a lot of things that led to. There were a lot of things that we could have. Done. I mean, if Ninjoku hangs on to, with everything that I've been complaining about for the last twenty minutes, really, um, all we had to do there is uh, complete the pass to Ninjoku there on the third down play, and the ball is there. The ball is on target. It's in his hands, and if he catches the ball, we get a first down. And this is how it works, okay? I'm, I'm, you know, and and maybe Hugh is listening. Maybe, maybe Hugh is out there. And from now on, I want to try to be encouraging because he's, you know, him working out. They've already said he's going to come back for 2018. They didn't say he's going to come back for 2018, you know, barring some unforeseen calamity. They didn't say with any qualifiers. They didn't say even if he finishes 0 and 16. All they said was that Hugh is going to come back next year. All right. So if Hugh is coming back next year. The best case scenario is for Hugh to get it together. Because, you know, if Hugh isn't going to get it together and if Hugh isn't going to be the long-term answer, well, then you know what? And this is almost blasphemy now, considering that we've already gotten one half of the blow-up done. But we'd be better off just firing him after this year if he's not going to end up being the guy. That's what I was saying a couple of weeks ago. If you think that he can end up being the guy, then there's not really any reason to fire him. I mean, it's, it's you just wait and and hope that it will happen at the same time that you have a lot of players maturing and you know not making a lot of boneheaded mistakes i also and this is just a, you know an opinion not I, I think that maybe jason mccordy having like an all pro type season you know for the first half of the year maybe the losing has caught up with him in, in the sense that maybe it's just gotten to him because he just seemed like he was a couple of steps last couple of games actually and I, i'm not i'm not you know whatever i'm not he, he guy was Guy was great for most of the year, but he's kind of fallen off. Um, but it happens. It's it's been a frustrating year. It's been a frustrating year for all of us. I mean, you know, NASA missed the sack, and the speed was like, "There's nobody more frustrated than him." You know, I, I'm more frustrated than him. I guarantee it. I guarantee that I'm more frustrated than him. Especially when you look at all of this cumulatively uh, throughout the course of the game, all of these mistakes that are made. 
um, and and the, the 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 blown calls and the and what are you doing? And, and it, ultimately, it didn't really end up mattering um, because we didn't have we weren't in a position. Although maybe if we had our timeouts, we could have been in a position late late in the game. Uh, but, but that's that's getting a little bit too smart by half to try to burn your, your uh, timeouts when they're trying to run the ball, uh, run the clock down, and score a touchdown at the end of the game. Point is, there's no reason to challenge the ball when it's like a four-yard completion. Yeah, they get a first down there, but it was like second and four. They get a first down, and yeah, at first blush, it looked like, you know what, maybe he didn't catch the ball there. And Greg Double G Williams was all animated about it on the sidelines. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it looks like we didn't get it. But then, you know, here comes the challenge flag. And it's, okay, I, I, it's, it's, it's not that... <laughs> It's not even so much that, well, yeah, if, if he makes it, then he looks brilliant. No, if he makes it, then it's it's third and four, right? I mean, what was the pay, the big payoff there? You end up losing a time. And again, I wouldn't even care so much about that if it was in the first half. But in the second half, this is the thing. I mean, again, Hugh, if you're listening and if you need to, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not like everybody else that thinks that you need to hire a, uh, an offensive coordinator. That's the drum that everybody beats that you need to go out there and, and that, that, which really, you know, between you and me, it's not that they, they want you to hire an offensive coordinator. They just don't like the, the, the play calling that you're doing. And I, you know, I can, I can have my, my problems with it. Again, the biggest issue I had with the play calling I saw today was at the end of the game where it's third. Honestly, what we have, um, I realize that Crow didn't get anything on first down, but we really we're in a mode right there where we need to be running on every down or throwing such high percentage completions that it's, you know, yeah, Ninjoku should have caught the ball there and it was a good pass and it should have been caught. But it still was a contested. I mean, there was still a guy on him. It wasn't like a drop, drop. I mean, it was it was a drop because of the situation. But all, you know, otherwise you could look at it as a good defensive play. I mean, he 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 definitely needs to catch the ball there. But you, but you don't put your yourself in a position where an incomplete pass stops the clock. If they have to call a timeout there, they only had one left. All right. So if they only, of course, a lot of this is moot because of the big punt return. But from my stand, it, it, the way that I'm looking at this. You know, I don't assume that we're going to screw everything up, and of course, that's the problem right there. That's the issue right there. I need to, I need to adjust that. Of course, of course, of course, that's the way it is. But the way I'm looking at it, at that point in the game, you know what you're doing. You may not like it, and people may not like it, but especially the way that the defense had been playing up to that point, uh, I think that what you need to do is you need to, you know, at that at that point. If you run the ball, chances are you can run a play that will enable you to get... If there's 247 left in the game at that point. You ought to be able to run a play there that should be able to take at least seven or so seconds off the clock. Why is that significant? Well, because there's 40 seconds on the play clock. And if you're able to run the ball, even if you don't get the first down... Then what that means is the clock, the play clock is going to resume when the clock is under two minutes and forty seconds. And since there's forty seconds on the game clock, that means that you can run it all the way down to the two minute warning. I'm saying this in a, I mean, I know that I w- I would assume that for most of you, what I just said is like the hur hur. Okay, easy. Is there anything else? I mean, do you want to explain to us that the, the, the football is oval shaped as well? I understand. I know, but. I'm I I understand this. I assume that other people understand this. Yet it just seems to be completely lost 
on on everybody that coaches everywhere, but especially, well, actually, no, I can't say that because Mike McCarthy showed some excellent clock management at the end of the game today. But we once again, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not blaming that on the loss. I'm just saying all of this stuff piles up to um, a game that we absolutely should have won falls by the wayside yet again. And it's not to say that we really should have won that many games this year. The Tennessee game, yeah, probably should have won that one. The Jets game, yeah, maybe. This was one we absolutely should have won this game. We absolutely should have won this game. But if we're able to do that, right, that means that they have to... Um, okay, actually, no. In, in, uh, th- in that scenario, they have to call a timeout or else that will happen and we'll run the ball down to because they did have a timeout remaining. But you kick the ball deep. <sighs> you put somebody besides Ricardo Lewis on the return team, or on the uh, coverage team, and you stop them at the, you know, the 30, you know, be, even if it's between the 30 and 40-yard line, all right. Yeah, they've been able to move the ball dinking and dunking, but if they have no timeouts, you ought to be able to put the pressure on them where they got to go down the field and score. You know, it's different when you're starting at the 25-yard line and you've got a, you know, a first and goal with a minute 40 left and then you just basically run the rest of it down. I mean, that's a whole different way of managing the clock than when you've got, you know, two minutes left and it's second and, and uh, you know, three at the 40-yard line after you ran a play, you know, after you got the ball back on a punt. And I know if you're not following along with me, I'm just saying what the what the uh, likelihood of that you know eventuation of plays would be had we done what I'm saying. Now again, all of that is moot if Njoku just hangs onto the ball. If he just hangs onto the ball, there it's a first down, and then they got to call their time. They got to use their timeout, and then at that point, what do you think happens? At that point, there would have been 2:47 left in the game. They don't have any timeouts left. What happens now? Now what happens is you do run a running play that you should be able to get the ball down to the two-minute warning. And then you've got two more plays to take a total of 80 seconds off the clock. That's a minute 20. Which means that even if you don't get a first down at that point, you should be able to take minimum a minute 20 off the clock when you're in that position. So that means even if they stop you, that means that you're putting the ball away. They have less than 40 seconds pinned deep to go down with no timeouts and score a touchdown to tie the game. You know what I'm saying? These are the things that I'm not saying that that uh, that Hugh needs a offensive coordinator for play calling, but he needs somebody that understands clock management, uh, or he needs to learn how he needs to to learn clock management better than uh, than 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 what he does. And I, I mean, look, he could very well be saying, "I know everything that you're saying, Easy. I get all that." But what I wanted to do there was get the first down to win the game. All right. But if you, you know, the likelihood that you're going to complete a pass there, especially on that play call, especially when you got a rookie quarterback, especially, and, and I mean, look, you saw how the game ended. Ugh, I just would have, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would have been, I, I would have, you know, call it conservative, call it, you know, uh, uh, close to the vest or, or what I, I, I just, I would have been, I would have taken the safe route there. Because when you get to end of the game, end of, it's kind of like in the NBA, at least it used to be this way, but you know, you get to a certain point in the game, and you just kind of know what all what all of the the next you know the final like you know thirty four you know twenty twenty to thirty seconds and and counting down is 
if the game is close, then, you know, team's making a shot. And when, you know, if they, if it goes in, then you immediately foul the other team, hoping that they miss a free throw. So then you can, you know, and the, the reason that you do that is because you're just increasing the number of possessions that you, that you can possibly get because the clock stops when you're doing the free throws. And, and so in football, the situation it either it's it's either like that to try to maximize your possessions or you're trying to minimize the number of possessions if you're in the other if you're playing defense in that scenario that's why you use the clock to your advantage and so at the end of a game like that there's all sorts of little things that go into you know making sure that you stay in bounds getting first downs you know get uh running the running the play clock getting it inside a two once you get inside once you get to that two minute mark that's where it begin that's where it gets um you know that's really the crunch part of the game because even if the other team has one timeout inside of 2 minutes they can get the ball back inside of 40 seconds if they got two timeouts they can get the ball inside of a minute 20 seconds Ju- i mean just inside right because of the um the amount of time it takes to kick the ball and if they got three timeouts they can get the ball with you know probably close to like a minute 40 seconds uh which is pretty good now they're not going to have timeouts at the end i'm talking about if you have the ball and they're playing defense you know, now conversely, if you get a first down and there's under two minutes left and they have no timeouts, game over. So, okay, I get it. You know, you're going for the first down there, but I just, I just think that um, that there just needs to be because it's not it's not the first time that this has happened. And I don't want to you know get overly harp on just this one thing here with uh, with Hugh Jackson's time management, but it is it's a consistent thing. It's a consistent thing that's that's so as we move forward into off-season, you know, the most important off-season of our lives, 2018, I, I am hopeful that one of the things that gets addressed is this game management, clock management, situational management uh, paradigm that exists where, uh, or I should say, somebody that is better to manage that because, you know, Hugh is just not very good at it, and he's been not very good at it now for the better part of two years as the coach of the of the Browns. And look, since he since he is what's left here, I'm rooting for him to be successful. Um I, I was rooting like hell for us to win this game today and I thought it was gonna happen. I, I really I believed that it was gonna it, that we were gonna make it happen. By the way, hats off to Isaiah Crowell today. He really showed up and played, you know, probably his best game of the year. And I'm not just talking about a lot of the the looks that were open that he was able to exploit, um, although a lot of those were the reads that he made, but finishing off runs, moving the pile uh, you got to hand it to him. He really, uh, I, I thought he showed up well today. Um, and and you know there was some other. Uh, I think that the overall the play of the linebackers was pretty solid. We didn't get beat up and ate up by tight ends like we do every single week. Uh, so that was encouraging. That was the first. That's the first time. That's the first time all year that we haven't been destroyed by tight ends. How about that? So that's you know that's uh, you take it for what it's worth. And when we got something resembling decent, and it was nice to see Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman uh, participate, but they they both kind of disappeared in the second half. And I think a lot of that did have to do kind of with the play calling, but a lot of it probably had to do with the fact it's a rookie quarterback, and Kaiser probably got predictable, and the Packers, um, you know, they're a veteran team. But it's, uh, you know, by the way, seeing Clay Matthews, it was interesting seeing Clay Matthews get a sack in Cleveland, and uh, they were they – were, uh, uh, paying homage to him that the announcers were and i just have to you know it's 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 nice to take a break right from from days like this where, where everybody's just where we're just upset you know we have every reason to be 
But I remember they talked about the 16 years his dad played for the Browns. And I got to tell you guys, I remember this plain as day. This is, And maybe I've told this story before, but it's week... I want to say it's week 15. Yeah, it's week 15 of the... Uh, no, week 16. It was the second-to-last game of the season, uh, 1992. I am in the dog pound. It was the second... My, my second experience in the dog pound. We would get season tickets the following year, but it was my second time that year. And we were playing the Houston Oilers, and we were 7-8. and eight, And we... No, no, I'm sorry. We were... Um, yeah, we were seven and eight, but we still had a chance. Like there still was a shot because of the way that the uh, the well, we we had a chance to still make it into the postseason. No, no, we were seven and seven. That's what it was. We still had a chance to make it into uh, the postseason because we were still there were still two games left. Um, and so we're playing the Oilers, and it was a team that we had lost to earlier in the year. That no, actually we beat them earlier in the year in Houston with uh, Warren Moon at quarterback, and that was a really really good team that they had. Uh, when they when Warren Moon was, if you don't know anything about the Oilers, they were a really really good team in the 1990s. When Warren Moon was a you know criminally underrated passer, um, had some problems later on in his life. But be that as it may, the 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 Oilers this day were quarterbacked by Cody Carlson. And what what reason I'm telling you this is because late in the game, this was a this was Bill Belichick's second year as our coach, and late in the game we've got the lead and uh, we end up. Uh, forcing or they end up forcing a punt so we punt the ball and we pin them back fairly deep into their own territory or maybe it was just at the uh the 20 but they were at the deep end of their field and we're talking about less you know at, at about the two minute range close to the two minute mark we're talking late in the game and I'm, I'm actually i'm thinking it was inside of two minutes at this point and it was a first and ten play, and Clay Matthews Sr., Clay Matthews, the Clay Matthews that, if you're a millennial, you've uh, watched play for the Packers for uh, a, a generation. Well, his dad was the one that played linebacker for us, was drafted the same year as Ozzie Newsom, as a matter of fact, in the first round. And on this day, he uh, got around the edge, and he got... Uh, he sacked Carlson, and it was the sack that broke Jerry Shirk's all-time Browns team sack record. I think it was like his 73rd and a half, I think, was the number. He comes in there, and get, and it was something that everybody in the in the uh, stadium, I mean, everybody that had been paying attention to the team, obviously, was waiting for it. It was a big deal. Uh, and if, and the place just, you know, I was only around that place for the last couple of years, and there weren't really very many instances of the place shaking, like a lot of people that were there for the 80s and, you know, before in the championship days talked about the place shaking. Um, and it, But it shook at that moment in homage to Clay Matthews breaking Shirk's um, sack record because it meant a number of things it meant you know that he had the record he was a player that meant so much to that to the team and to the city and uh and also it meant a second and really long on a drive that could possibly be uh uh you know thwarted and we would win the game and keep our playoff hopes alive um just two years after going three and 13 well as you know as you can imagine on the very next play a screen pass to lorenzo white 64 yards later the uh, oilers were in business and they end up scoring on a uh, touchdown pass to ernest givens and we lose we lose and we were eliminated from uh playoff contention uh, one one uh, silver lining even about that game you know, so the, the oilers were the team that ended up getting that final playoff spot and two weeks later 
later, I watched as the Buffalo Bills completed the greatest come-from-behind victory in NFL history at their expense. They built up a 35-3 lead on the Bills to start the second half. They actually got an interception return by Bubba McDowell. This is how good the memory is on this. I saw this game so many times because I recorded it and watched it as I saw it live. But that made the score 35-3. to Frank Reich, the backup quarterback for the Bills in uh, Jim Kelly's uh, stead, came in, quarterbacked Buffalo to the greatest comeback uh, in NFL history, one of the greatest games of all time. Uh, probably second to the touch the Super Bowl from last year, where the Patriots came back from twenty five points down. The game that that one uh, was remarkable, but that was they were the only reason they were even in the playoffs is because we blew a late game lead uh, against them, just like we blew a late game lead today. And so the tradition continues for our beloved orange helmets. And uh, you know, I am. Um, I, I said the other day when uh, talking about the, the ouster of uh, of Sashi Brown, which apparently, and I haven't checked it in a couple of hours, but it looks like by a slim majority, it looks like a lot of the, uh, based on my uh, my article from this morning where I asked people point blank, do you approve of this? And it was a little over half were uh, in, in favor of it the last time I checked, which was before game time. So maybe after the game, uh, people are, maybe there's people out there that are blaming Sashi Brown for uh for the loss today i don't know uh i suppose it's possible i'm not, I'm not even going to as far as uh, blaming hugh jackson for it i am it's it, blame i don't blame the maloik blame blame whatever you want to blame it was uh it was a it was a team effort that uh it was it was a team effort th- for a game that we could have won and it's it's really unfortunate it really is it's it's damned unfortunate um but you know while while I, I kind of skewer Jackson for, you know, some of the, the, the play calling and the clock management and so forth. Not really so much the play calling. Uh, in fact, I think some of the play calling was, you know, fairly effective, especially early on. And his team came out once again, and they uh, they fought hard. Yeah, as I'm looking at it right now, actually, it's a pretty solid majority at this point. 54 to 46 with uh, a, a pretty a pretty solid portion, almost uh, 700 votes. If you haven't, go to the website dogsbynature.com and the uh, article. It's my um, Easy Likes Sunday Morning uh, series, and it's Did the Browns Make the Right Move? And you can go there. You can also comment, but you can uh, vote if you are displeased or if you are in approval of the ouster of Sashi Brown. And again, I don't know if it changes uh, as the... I, I'd imagine that like a lot of people... Uh, you know, most people that you know voted earlier probably didn't care after the game was over because they're just disgusted and want to get away from it, which I can understand. I'm just um, I don't know. I I like I said the other day when when they about the Sashi show, I can no more stop rooting for this team and and not caring about. Uh, what happens to it then I can remove my heart from my chest and continue living you know I mean that's that's what I'm saying it's 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 a commitment that um transcends you know all I mean because I, I look at all of this and I see even with uh, and we can get in now to um John Dorsey being being named the new general manager Sashi Brown was the uh, executive vice president of football operations whereas new guy John Dorsey is going to be the flat out general manager okay but it doesn't really change anything because he Paul P, Paul D Podesta who evidently is going to be uh sticking around all of this which I guess is a good sign although I don't really really know what his role is in any of this and i don't want to know what he thinks about any of this i 
really would be curious to know what he thinks about the removal of Sashi and the bringing on of Dorsey. Um, but what I do know is that all of these people, Dorsey, De Podesta, and Hugh, are all going to report directly to Haslam. So once again, we've got this idiotic um, power structure set up that is destined to lead to uh, failure and just as it has with every group that he's put in there to this point epic failure to the point now where Hugh Jackson literally is off to the worst start in NFL history beating I mean and and, and my guy I mean I I've I, I have been posting John McKay quips forever I mean John McKay the, the John McKay was the man when he he coached the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the first two seasons of their existence the team started 0-26 um, but then they they were better than that, and now Hugh has you know they won a couple of games after that, and now Hugh has uh, fallen to the worst start of all time, and you know will, uh, but he uh, but apparently he is going to get a third year, and I'm not saying that sardonically, and I'm not saying that ironically, like oh yeah, it's not the worst start in NFL history, but he's still got a guy third, yeah, yeah, Sash, but we're gonna let Sash go, okay, let's go. Because you know I don't I don't really talk like that either, but I'm just I just I, I don't think that um, again my my point of view is hey we made a decision that Hugh's the guy Hugh won the power struggle so now I'm rooting for Hugh to it wasn't right it wasn't just it isn't the, and it wasn't the smart move and it wasn't the right decision um, but I don't care I'm still a Browns fan I'm still gonna be you know with all of that in mind I was still 100 percent through all the you know all 60 you know five or however many minutes it was of this one today every second of it I was there wanting us to win this game and that's going to continue and thus that's why as much as I you know certainly from from a justice standpoint uh there's you know no way Sashi deserves the the brunt of the responsibility particularly because of the decrepit state that this roster was in when he took it over and combine that with what he's done with the roster but be that as it may life isn't fair it certainly isn't fair for a Browns fan so if this guy John Dorsey can come in and pick the guy that's going to be our quarterback moving forward and now that Kaiser has kind of you know defecated all over all up over the mattresses to the point where I don't know that it's really defensible at this point for any I, I don't okay I shouldn't put it like that I'm not saying I, I can't say that it's not defensible that that anybody could make the argument that he should be given a shot what I am saying is that that pass at the end of the game today is pretty much a deal breaker for me you and and for weeds I was you know I was I was mad when we drafted weeds but I was willing to you know I was willing to ride it out I was willing to uh you know to uh to to, to you know after I'm like okay cuz you know at first he didn't look that at very first he looked really 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 bad and that first game turned out to be the forerunner of what really was to come but then he kind of pulled it together and he's like okay it's not too bad maybe learn something this beautiful game he could make all throws but then he did the underlob against Detroit it's like no okay it's over it's over it's over and it's never ever ever going to happen it's never going to happen it's never going to happen it is never going to happen and i got to tell you i'm almost there with kaiser after that uh, that pass at the end of the game today he just gave the game he just gave he just gave the game away and i'm not saying that he intentionally gave the game away certainly but that's kind of worse right that you weren't trying to intentionally give the game away and you just do it I mean, again, there the worst, the best case scenario is it still would have been fourth down, even if whoever, even if uh, one of our guys would have been able to jump up and make the play, which of course nobody could. But it was, um, 
it was very disconcerting. So again, if if Dorsey then is the guy that can look at the, but I mean, it looks like you almost can't lose with any of the three that are coming out next year. Of course, <laughs> you know, I guess there's no way we could possibly screw this up. Yeah, I know, I know. There, there, and we should all expect that that's exactly what's going to happen. But I do know. I mean, just by objective looking at the the candidates that are coming out next year it looks like a pretty good class to me it looks like some guys that can play looks like some dudes that uh, should be given some ample consideration and of course i've talked about my guy uh, baker mayfield i they, who congratulations i went in the heisman last night baker which is a kiss of death in and of itself right i mean when was the last time when was the last time that a heisman when was the last time that any heisman trophy winner uh, who won it last year was it watson i don't remember I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really pay. I, I'm, I am a terrible college football fan. I will watch like a little bit of the Buckeyes, and I'll watch the the you know the, some of the bowl games, and I'll watch the playoffs. Um, but really, I'm I'm the, the the majority of my college football time that I spend is uh, uh, scouting. <laughs> so I don't really um, get. So I don't even remember. But was it was it Watson who won it last year? I don't I don't recall. But I know that it's it's always been. A a uh, you know almost like a rite of passage that whoever wins the Heisman generally doesn't go turn on turn around out to have a uh, an NFL a, a worthy NFL career, not even a you know and you would think because the Heisman of course is the best college football player that you know occasionally I'm not the same I mean there were, there have been guys I mean Desmond Howard is in fact Desmond Howard is uh, here's a nice trivia uh, question not that you know I don't I don't know why anybody would ever ask you this but if anybody would ever ask you be it, uh, the question who was the only player to win the Heisman Trophy what win the Heisman Trophy and be Super Bowl MVP uh, you'd probably think it's a quarterback right nope Desmond Howard he uh, he won the Heisman I think in like 1994. 93 or 94 and then he was the uh, the MVP no it was actually more like 91 or 92 now that I think about it I think it was the 92 season uh, but then he won he was the Super Bowl MVP uh, after in, in 1996 what was that Super Bowl 29 or whatever uh, but that was the, no 30, 31 that was the year uh, that he won it at returning a kickoff for a touchdown that was the the why he was the MVP so that's a, a little bit of interesting bit of trivia but what I'm saying is that I realize that the Heisman guy doesn't usually win in the NFL but I think this kid Mayfield is going to be the objection 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 the exception to multiple rules um, you know people harp on his height I don't really think it's all that big of a deal but the fact that oh by the way he's the first walk on to ever win the Heisman Trophy. You know, Steve Young, a couple of years ago, was uh, talking about Tom Brady. He was calling, a, and this was in the context of the uh, Patriots were playing on a Monday night game, and Tom Brady just went out there and had one of his, you know, legendary Tom Brady games. And Steve Young was talking about this. And Steve Young, again, if you're a millennial or you just weren't around to, uh, to watch, uh, you know, football in the 90s, Steve Young is I mean it's not even close the best left-handed quarterback of all time generally speaking and this isn't really biased this is just kind of the way it is left-handed quarterbacks don't tend to do well in the NFL they just don't 
There's not a whole. I mean, there's not a whole lot of them. Number one, and those that are, there just generally seems to be a velocity problem. That's why Michael Vick was the big was the big exception. Uh, Boomer Esiason was kind of a, an exception as well. Steve Young did not have a weak arm per se, but it wasn't. It, it certainly was not a cannon. He was never known for having a huge arm, but he was. I mean, deadly, ridiculously accurate, and he had a run of success where he played quarterback at a level that I mean, for a couple of years there. It was you know, as good or better than anybody ever has done it. So when Steve Young is talking about, I mean, and when he's talking about this, and he's, he definitely is kind of over the top when it comes to anything he does from a analysis standpoint. But he's talking about Tom Brady, and he's saying, you know, this guy, I'm watching this guy, and he's got... He, he, he's against all odds all the time. He's, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I get drafted in the sixth round and I'm mad about it. I'm going to take it out on every team that I play for the, for my entire career and all the way to the hall of fame. And I love it. And there was something, and he's, what he was saying there in a kind of a ham handed way was that drive means so much that a guy that is driven like Tom Brady is going to end up being more successful and because he drives himself to it because he's got a motivation he's got a hair up his arse he's got you know his hair on fire to perform and to produce at an elite level and that sort of drive is the sort of thing that can overcome even um you know physical deficiencies or or what have you, or you know, whatever whatever obstacles could be in your way. And I look at this, and I'm not trying to say that Baker Mayfield is Tom Brady. He's he's likely to be a first round. Uh, he's I think he's definitely going to be among the top you know players selected. So he's not going to sneak up on anybody. But just in terms of that type of attitude, he walked on at Texas Tech, won the job there, then walked on at Oklahoma, won the job there, and is the I think I'm almost sure I'm almost I'm. I should say I'm almost positive he's the only sooner starter to ever walk on at, at the quarterback position. Um, so just a, a, a remarkable story, and I think that. But whether okay, whether it's him or whether it's Josh Roden or, or Rosen or whether it's uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that John Dorsey can identify which of those guys is the best for what Hugh wants to run. You know, and if there really was a schism or a disconnect or an upheaval or a skirmish or a whatever the hell was apparently going on between Sashi and Hugh, I hope that that John and Hugh can cobble together and and say, hey, okay, this is the type of player that we're going after. And so this is the type of player that I want you to target in the draft and in free agency and all of that. And at the quarterback position, you know, I I can't even say that with good quarterback play, we win today. We had good quarterback play for the most part. Um, what 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 did us in today was being the youngest team in the league, um, and and some some screwy you know boneheaded coaching. Some uh, okay, I guess I can say it was quarterback play ultimately at the end because you had you know uh, the, the quarterback making the turnover that uh, that that really and, and missed tackles. You know you had uh, you had some of that, but. Um, you know, we I, as I've I've really kind of been beating the drum, you know, all year. You know, the roster is not in that. In fact, it's not in bad shape at all when you consider where we are at most of our position groups, combined with the you know, the un, the inordinate, the absurd, the gargantuan, the unorthodoxly high amount of draft picks that we have to address. Basically, three positions, and really. Um, a wide receiver, obviously, it, it's probably that one may need to be crossed off because with with Ricardo Lewis and Kenny, of course, Kenny Britt was uh, summarily dispatched. He's been cut. 
It's kind of, you know, curious because he's actually come on the last couple of weeks, but uh, wasn't enough. We eat uh, whatever uh, dead money his is associated with his contract, but we save more than we, we uh, lose, certainly. So um, this guy Dorsey, the one thing that his reputation brings with him is that he can hit on some picks. Uh, the, you know, some people think that he's a draft wizard. Others think that he's uh, merely, uh, you know, average or maybe above average. Average or above average would still be pretty good for us. Um, although I think when it's all said and done, Sashi's going to show to have been, you know, significantly above average and he's going to go be going do well for somebody else. But whatever. Uh, we're moving on from him and we got this guy Dorsey and he, and he may be more of a, you know, he's not going to be, from from what my, my initial um, reaction of all of this is it just doesn't, he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be all that concerned about you know saving every last penny in fact what apparently did him in in kc was the fact that he was um a little too lackluster with the uh, the management of the cap and of course sashi brown was probably the best capologist the world has ever seen as we're as you know doing the research for the article we're, when you when you lop off the dead money and the when you you know factor in the rollovers we're looking at a cap number next year of 117 million now at some point that rollover hits a a point and we're pretty much there where we're going to have to spend it anyway um so i mean i don't really i, I guess this is the point now where uh, and what really the 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 the, the point of, of firing Sashi and, and Hugh Jackson, not Hugh Jackson, Jimmy Haslam saying you know that this the off season is so important for the team is that you expect a guy like Dorsey to go out there and bring in and maybe go out and 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 be more aggressive in bringing in some guys that maybe pardon me maybe um Sashi wouldn't uh, have spent some uh, you know, those same resources on that maybe he wouldn't have considered it to be uh, important or maybe it's that he thinks he'll do a better job of getting somebody like, uh, or somebody like Kenny Britt, who was essentially the uh, the Terrell Pryor um, replacement. Although, um, what does this do now with the prospect of possibly re-signing Pryor? You know, we were going, we tried to trade for him, evidently, uh, at the trade deadline, and from what is known, that fell through because he wouldn't wouldn't have been able to pass the physical. So we wouldn't have been able to uh, execute the trade anyway, or commence or uh, consummate the trade with the uh, uh, Redskins. But the instead now with the new guy in here, is he even going to care about um, you know somebody like Re- and and not that that's that not that that necessarily is a bad thing. But if you were hanging your hopes on Prior coming back, this is this is the thing that happens. And I'm not. I mean, look, Prior is not the reason uh, that you don't do this, but. I'm hope I'm hopeful that you know. Uh, obviously, Hugh's going to have a. I would hope anyway that Hugh has a say in the guys that are going to be able to stick around, because he can and should have developed a lot of his guys, and hopefully he can work with um, Dorsey for them to bring in some more of his guys. But there are going to be some of Sashi's guys, some guys that we like that Dorsey is going to say, "Yep, that's not really one of my guys though." And they're going to be let go. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. So, fine. That is if that's the price that needs to be paid for us having a guy that may be able to identify talent um at at a higher uh, clip or or I should say, you know, be able to identify better talent than I mean, again, I think the rec- the record's kind of uh, mixed at that, and I think that the approach that Sashi took was actually kind of a brilliant one. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the players that he brought in haven't been superstars, but a lot of, I mean, you look at a game like today, it's a game we should have won, and, and there's been lots of games like that this year where we should have won the game, um, but just inexperience, uh, and, and even with that today, so many times where we just got kicked in the gut and continued to come back, fight back, and respond, and not give in after, you know, emotional letdowns. I mean, how many, again, all of those times where we gave up a first down after uh, stopping the team on third down, I mean, that is, that's just crushing for that sort of thing to happen. Yet, we're able to um, to withstand it and uh, all the way up until the very end. And so, I mean... That doesn't really, you know, say all that much because you end up losing a game, you know, in overtime, and your defense end up ends up giving up twenty seven points, you know, in, in what was one of their best efforts of the year, even without Emmanuel Ogba and Jamie Collins. <clears throat> but you get you're going to get those guys back next year, and you know maybe maybe the move is to go out and instead of uh, you know putting all the eggs in uh, the Larry Ogunjobi basket next to uh, Danny Shelton, maybe you go out there and you get a stud defensive tackle to put alongside Danny Shelton. I'm not suggesting that's what we're going to do or should do. I'm saying maybe that's one of the things that we would do because of the new direction and focus on getting, uh, you know, maybe the, the youth movement being over, so to speak, and this new guy Dorsey coming and targeting more quality. Uh, that again, that's my, that's kind of my snapshot view of this is that he's going to try to go out and hit home runs, which means that you when when you when you do that you you miss um, bigger. You know, with Sashi, kind of the, the, the what, what appeared anyway to be the model was, we kind of take a lot of swings. And maybe we're going to miss on Jabril Peppers. Who, yeah, I'm not going to you know, say he's a miss necessarily right away, right now. But maybe that happens. Maybe he's a miss. But, you know, you, you had two other guys in that first round that looked like they are pretty solid hits. So, okay, it's not really all about making sure you get the talent evaluation right. It's about maximizing the number of bullets you get to fire from the chamber course the problem with that is that it ends up putting guys like Deshaun Kaiser um behind center for an entire rookie season where he you know gives the game away at the end of it today and he's been pretty instrumental in a lot of our losses so I mean all of that factors in and I'm not I'm I'm not in any way defending the decision to uh, fire Sashi Brown in fact I think again I think it was the stupidest thing we could have done I'm still going to hold out the hope and also uh keep as a uh, legitimate source of um, I, I I I believe that this could happen. This isn't just me, um, you know, wish casting. I genuinely believe that we could um, end up, you know, benefiting and, and this turning out to be a good situation, uh, even with the move that we make. Even though we made the wrong move here, it could still turn out well for us. Uh, in fact, maybe that's exactly the way that it should turn out. We do the wrong thing, but somehow fall ours b- backwards into the right situation where we get a guy that knows how to properly identify the right guy. Since it looks like we're pretty much a lock for that number one overall, we go and we get that guy, and then it's all about the entire organization putting their time and efforts into developing that guy. And part of that development is going to be, I mean, we have all of these high draft picks and now with Sashi gone, presumably we're not going to be continuing the the method of, you know, using the draft picks while building more into the future. That was, you know, going to be awesome, but whatever. We're not going to do that now. So maybe this is the year that we fire all the bullets in our chamber and get, you know, a big wide receiver, uh, you know, a running back, maybe a tackle to replace Joe Thomas eventually, a cornerback. Um, how many players is that? That's, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, um, 
a, uh, a safety. And what else did I say? And a cornerback? That's five players. We have five picks in the top 65. Actually, we're very likely going to have six picks in the top 65. But that's all of them right there. And that's the wrong way to do it because you really shouldn't be scouting positions. You should be scouting players. So you pick the quarterback number one, but then it just kind of depends on who's on the board when you're picking at the right spots. So I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know if... Um, you know, if our guy is going to be, and maybe it'll mean that we'll be more aggressive in, in jumping up. Maybe, maybe what this will mean is that um, that our guy is going to be all about. Hey, well, you know, I've got the the first, and let's say we have the first and the seventh, and he says, you know, I draft the quarterback number one. Maybe I want to take a couple of picks. Maybe take those two seconds that we have, two of the three seconds that we have, and move them up so we can move up to number three and take somebody like Saquon Barkley. Again, I'm not suggesting that I would want us to do that, but that might be the type of, of guy that we have now, somebody that's a little bit more willing. I mean, he, he certainly ponied up what he thought was worth the uh, jump up to get Mahomes last year. That's the guy. The guy that jumped up and, got, and took Mahomes from us is now who's running our front office. So, you know, it remains to be seen, and I'm, uh, I'm certainly rooting for all of these guys to be on the same page and get it together. The one benefit to having done it at this time is, and somebody had mentioned that he was on an interview and really has been scouting. He's not coming into this cold. He's been scouting players and kind of already knows uh, what he's looking for when, for this upcoming um, draft season, but for him to get in here now to start working with the scouts that are on the staff now to kind of get all that information he's got now it is for one while you know i i don't generally give jimmy haslam a lot of credit for anything uh, at least in this regard him doing that was able to kind of start the clock earlier and now this guy has more time to you know get ready for the draft and get ready for free agency and get ready for the um, the, the the free agency period before the free agency period. Here's a question. Watching the game today, <clears throat> what are we going to do about Josh Gordon? As in, I know that he has one year. I, I, oh, I should say, I believe the way that it works is that he would have to be um, – that he's got one more league. Actually, I don't even know. I don't know how it is. I don't know if we have to slap a tag on him or what after this year. But, I mean, whether we do, I'm I'm, I'm inclined to think that with his contract situation, we've got one more year regardless. And I think next year we'd have to slap a tag on him because he hasn't been uh, in, he's he's had all these years where he hasn't uh, played in enough games for those years to uh, become accrued or vested or however that's uh, worked out, verbalized, whatever the nomenclature is there. And thus, I think we have one more. But, okay, let's say it is one more. Um, are, are we ready to sign him to a big, long contract extension? I am. <clears throat> I'm down with it. And what would you be willing to... I think this is a, a conversation that's worth having right now. After watching him make that touchdown catch, I'm, I'm all good with looking at what is the sort of money we're willing to pay Josh Gordon to make sure he is happily a Cleveland Brown. I mean, obviously, you've got to have qualifiers in there that if the dude fails another drug test, the entire contract becomes void. Right, if he fails a drug test and misses time, then so basically, all that would be the only thing that would nullify the guaranteed money that he would get. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, that you can, 
Because I think that there's got to be basically an amount, like a, a, a floor for no matter what, 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 he's, he's going to get a guarantee. But maybe, I don't know, maybe there should be an exception or could be an exception built in for people that have particularly substance abuse issues, and there's no doubt that he does after you know his own accounts have been uh, made public as of late. Um, that for... Um, were he to relapse, that it would take away all of his guaranteed cash, uh, maybe to the extent that he would have to pay back whatever he lost, because having a floor of guaranteed money, you know, I'm just saying from the standpoint of an addict, you uh, you don't want to leave somebody with uh, with a frame of mind that, and I don't want to speculate too much here. I'm not trying to get inside the mind of uh, of Josh Gordon or presume that I know what he thinks or is thinking about anything at any time. I'm just saying I have been around addicts and I I know the I I know how it goes. So I'm just saying it's something something to consider there. But it definitely would have to include some sort of qualifier that if you you know if you if you mess up you're done and we're not paying you and we're not going to be stuck on the hook on you know a massive cap hit because you let us down. But outside of that, um, what four years, fifty million, uh, fifteen to twenty guaranteed? What are you thinking? That's about what we were thinking for prior, maybe forty-five million. That's what we were thinking. That's what we were legitimately talking about prior. Okay, prior didn't work out, but now we got Josh Gordon. What, would, you, would you pay that? Would you would you do more than that? If if I'm him, if I'm Josh Gordon, and the team is offering me fifteen to twenty million guaranteed, I'd be jumping all over that. Now, from his standpoint, he could hold out and. Uh, make super duper ridiculously crazy wide you know wide receiver money in a couple of years but at the same time what's the dude like 27 now so in two more years he's gonna be 29 i mean that's the buy i I don't actually i'm not i'm not entirely sure of that uh what his how old he is right now but i'm just saying it's something to the only other guy that right now we're looking at as far as a loss or potential loss at the end of the year is isaiah crowell who now i mean the way that he's come on the last couple of weeks looks like he may be worth uh re-signing and maybe dorsey will uh, running back just seems like one of those fungible positions out there that it seems like we ought to be able... I mean, he was able to pick up uh, Kareem Hunt uh, with a good value pick. So I'd be... I, I, when it comes to Crowell, I'm kind of inclined to just kind of, you know, let him bounce. And unless we can... I mean, if we can sign him for a team-friendly deal, then, by the way, a really interesting stat that uh, was brought up today. Crowell went over 600 yards for the fourth year in a row. The first Browns running back to do that, well, the first Browns player to do that, since Greg Pruitt. Wow. I mean, that you are in some rarefied air when you are, are joining uh, either of the Pruitts. But, but especially Greg. So that's that's really um, that's high praise. And that's, that's a, a good uh, spot to be in if you are Isaiah Crowell, but is it enough to get a big contract to remain our starting halfback for 2018? I, probably not, and I think that what will end up happening is we will uh, end up letting him bounce, and and I'm not... Necess- I, I mentioned the the, um, the scenario earlier where we jump up and dra- I don't believe that you would draft. I, I, don't, I don't think... Unless it's a guy that is... And I mean, it's so difficult. Even a guy like Zeke, it's, it's difficult to... Um, to, to justify taking a guy that high. I mean, we saw what happened with T. Rich. I mean, yeah, Zeke is is special. He is so special. But I just, and I, and I like Saquon, I just don't think that anybody is at that level that you would take a running back that high. And there are some running backs that are in this class that I absolutely love, and I think that we should uh, seriously consider um, uh, taking a run at. I just don't see it. But again, we're going to find out. 
Um, what's what's for sure is this guy who has had trouble with uh, cap space has the most cap space maybe ever. I don't know. I don't know if any team has ever had as much cap space as we're fitting to have at the end of this year. And the Niners are right behind us, but you know we'll beat them. And then on top of that, the the amount of draft capital uh, to reiterate two ones, three twos, two fours, two fives. That's insanity. That is combined, especially when you combine with the number of young players that are already under contract for multiple years on this roster. That has to be the most impressive collection of assets any front office uh, front officer any front office manager has ever walked into in an NFL job so uh, John Dorsey really ought to be sending Sashi Sashi Brown Christmas cards uh, because he left him in a really good spot Um, but either way uh, that's fine, and I'm not going to uh, be too upset about it, especially if uh, Sashi goes and comes down and uh, coaches the Buc- or uh, coaches comes down and becomes the uh, general manager for the Buccaneers because it- he's going to be good for somebody, and I'd rather be good for a team that uh, that I like. <laughs> if it's not going to be for the team that I love the most. And with that, we conclude our Week 14 portion of Easy Does It here on the DBN Network. Appreciate you being out there and um, listening to all of these. Hopefully it... Um, it helps. I don't. I know it sucks. Uh, this is a game that we we should have won, and uh, there there really is. It's just it's 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 a combination of things. It's like I said, I've said multiple times this year, we're a young team, and when bad things happen, we you know we we can we can only overcome so many of them. We overcame a lot of them today, just not enough for it to matter at the end. Uh, for those of y'all that are so inclined, Merry Christmas for uh, for others. Happy Hanukkah for everybody else. Um, wonderful uh, December and a happy winter and a, a and a, and you know and a happy Sunday and all of those things. Uh, appreciate you. We will uh, talk to you, God willing, next week here uh, as we maybe possibly could uh, maybe be looking at our first one of the season next week. Probably not, but until then, take care. Good luck. God bless. So. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.